0: we am going to a word on Tzav, when the Pusik tells us about the Hitzuah of he as The coin had to take off his clothing and put on other clothing. Now she explains it was the meaning of derecherot, um, and not necessarily a Choyva. But I saw an interesting word from Yaroslav and Teirus Shemuel. He brings the Pusik and, and tell tells him, for say aday Urav. the person's going out to work. He says urev is a name on alvis. Arvus, Kalis, we all have this one for another we all try to help each other we try to take care of each other we're all responsible for each other and very often people get first caught up on feeling responsible for someone else and only then taking care of themselves I'm noticing what someone else has to fix what someone else has to take care of where somebody else should better themselves and I'm I'm here for them I'm trying to help them and it's true we should be helping each other but before that comes the a person has to first take care of himself when a person is done with himself, or at least after a person understands that the first focus should be on himself, then *v'la-vadus will be able to take care of his responsibility for the people. So he teaches over here: *yifushat begudav*. Chazal, says, *begudav* is a solution. When a person is doing something wrong, being Boigd in Hashem, says First, a person has to take, take care of his own *begudim*, take away his own shortcomings, his own deficiencies, and afterwards *v'lovas begudim he'll be able to start working on other people's. You know, problems, things that other people have to fix. And this is so important because it's often um, just easy to focus on what other people should be doing. And sometimes people even mean it when they say, you know, I, I think that person has to fix something and, and, and they're doing something wrong, either, either because they're hurting me and I'm right, or even because I care for them. Sometimes it's coming across more genuine. But it's always important to remember that there's always what to do on my end first. Whether it means noticing where I'm doing something wrong myself, whether it means I'm actually... Um, contemplating and considering the fact that I might, even, I might even be to blame that someone else is doing something wrong even if they are wrong and sometimes it's just knowing what I could be doing better to deal with what someone else is doing wrong it's not necessarily that, that I'm part of the problem or contributing or or to be blamed for what someone else is doing so it could be someone else is just hurting me for no reason but there's always something I could still do differently whether it's even just, just express myself better and let the person know that they're hurting me for example that I can still take care of on my own so it's always just important to focus inward and start realizing what you could do first it's so much easier to notice what someone else should be doing come up with a good game plan a good strategy a good uh, you know, whatever it is that somebody should be doing to help themselves but it doesn't work that way in real life especially not in a relationship where there's two parts of every puzzle there's two parts of every relationship it doesn't mean that it takes two to tango because both have to be blamed it just means that technically there's two people involved and focusing inward is always better I don't know if I've ever repeated this I think the Emre once said Division Service of um, that I notice people stipping that it's expression used like right, pushing time, right? wasting their time. So I, I, I'm a busy person. I need a lot of time. And some people just don't have a what to do with so many empty hours that they're not doing anything with. And if only people would push it to me, you know, push your time to me. I have so much to do with it. But then I started realizing that instead of trying to utilize someone else's extra hours, let me focus on my extra seconds and minutes. In other words, it's so easy for me to notice where other people are wasting their time much harder for me to notice where I'm wasting some of my time. Now, even if it's true that I'm only wasting three minutes a day and they're wasting three hours a day, me focusing on my three minutes a day is going to be more helpful and it's more of what I'm supposed to do than to start noticing where other people could be doing so much more in the, in the extra hours they have. So that's just a, another example of the same idea. So let us let me read a question and try to address it in a way that's somewhat helpful in Metz Shalom Rabbi Gruen, I've read your book and I wanted to get advice from you on dealing with my father-in-law. Hashem, my husband and I have a beautiful marriage. My father-in-law is a bit difficult to deal with at times. He tends to get angry at my spouse very easily and it really has a negative impact on my spouse. He cannot stand it if you interrupt him and my husband does his best not to, but recently he called him to discuss something that really my husband was upset about and couldn't help but interrupt by instinct. And his father got so angry he hung up the phone. My husband tried to call him back right away. And he didn't pick up. He messaged my husband an angry message saying not to call or text him. My husband is extremely upset and I don't know how to help. He doesn't want to contact him since his father told him not to. But the fact that his father is upset at him um, affects him very much. Another small example is if we don't want to go for Shabbos or Chag one week and rather stay home. He gets very upset and wants to always control what we do. This is not the first time something like this happened. But it's the first time he said not to call or text him. I hope I explained it correctly. Please advise. Thank you. So like I always start off saying that I hope this is not going on any longer because this question was sent in quite a few months ago. That's the truth. Um, but let's try to deal with it. I, I do believe that, as you mentioned, somebody who read my book, Get Along With Everyone, which, by the way, for those who were asking, it has been reprinted and it's in the stores again by Hashem. So it could be a lot of what I'm going to say is, is familiar to you. Um, because of my book I do talk about such relationships that are challenging. But let's start with a few introductory comments first. And that is that, um, as, I, as I try to always mention with anything that touches upon halakha, there's definitely a halachic question about obligations regarding kibbutz va'im. Definitely. Whether it's how you talk to a father or what you do when he's upset or how much you do what he does say or doesn't say and things like that. So I, I would definitely suggest that you discuss those points with a competent halachic authority who could tell you if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Just this morning, I was talking to a man who was having an issue, also some kind of conflict situation with a parent, not against a parent, but that a parent was involved in. and now he wanted to know what's his obligation. And he did the right thing. He went to a rav and he gave, he, he spoke about all the different details involved, all different sides of the story. He, got, he tried getting some clarity, just making sure that whatever he is doing, whatever he felt he should be doing, should be in line with halacha and Torah, so that's that's always something I'm, I'm going to suggest to you, regardless of what I have what I have to offer. Another thing I do want to mention, in re- regarding halucha, even though I'm not a competent halachic authority in this, um, but I, the, the the situation is different when it's his father or her father. A married woman, a married woman's obligation in kibbutz changes because she now has the first obligation to her husband, whereas uh a man, a husband, a man doesn't have that, you know, you know that that, that same lack of obligation, because he's married. So I'm just mentioning that as well. Now, another thing that I want to mention for those who are listening to this, and it could be some people listening to this, are the father-in-law in in the situation, or the older parent in the situation. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with somebody who already married or have children. It could be anyone. My point is just that when you hear this, it's sad to see maybe not sad, maybe you just, you just wake up to reality and notice that children see a lot of shortcomings with parents. Sometimes people behave in a certain way not realizing that people are noticing what's really going on over here. In other words, you could be very upset at your son, you could be sending him nasty messages, you could be you know, maybe trying to control him, without realizing what he's noticing or what your daughter-in-law is noticing or what your grandchildren are noticing. People notice when you do things that, are, that don't make sense. So the fact that you worked up about something and the fact that you could justify something doesn't mean that you should assume that people aren't really picking up on what's going on over here. Somebody was repeating to me, um, an older couple, it's an older couple, and he wanted to know, again, he went to Ask a das teure, a very big roof, um, somebody who's, I don't think around anymore, but a big tamal a big poisek, and he asked if when my, my wife is having certain difficulties, so going through certain emotional challenges, let's call it, um, for lack of a better phrase, am I allowed to tell my children that now is not a good time to call mommy because she's going through something, let's call it. Um, he wanted to know if it, if it borders on Lushnara and he's not allowed to say it or whatever. And and the answer the roof gave him, which was interesting to him, was, you think the kids don't know? In other words, they might not know that she's having this, uh, whatever mood swing it is right now in the moment, but... Uh, What's the How Do you think they don't know that she's dealing with these things? Like, what what do you think? Do you think they don't notice? And it's eye-opening to like, oh, you're right. You mean people do notice? Like, of course they notice. And sometimes when people get swept into certain behaviors, they don't realize how other people are noticing it. Sometimes they might even be offended by it. So you think I'm crazy, huh? Maybe. Maybe people around you think you're crazy. Yeah, could be. You know. So just think about it. Now, my point is not that children should be focusing on their parents' difficulties. Certainly not absolving themselves of blame because my parent has a difficulty. Something I talk about often. It's so easy for almost anyone, I believe, whoever has human parents, we all do, B'cham Hashem, to find shortcomings in their parents and to say that, you know, okay, of course I'm dealing with this because my father's crazy, my mother's crazy. You don't blame your shortcomings on someone else. That's something I talk about often. I see people making that mistake all the time as well. All the time. You know, I have this thing because my parents, I'm allowed to do this because my parents, my parents didn't give me enough love, they didn't give me enough support, they don't like me, they don't this, they don't that. This, this is, this is um, just not taking responsibility for your own life. Actually, just recently somebody was telling me about his father, the reason why my father is so edgy and anxious and controlling and obnoxious and stubborn and, and abrasive and everything else, is because he grew up with parents, to, I don't know what the excuse, I don't remember what the excuse was, maybe they, they went through the war. Now, okay, I think almost all our grandparents um, at some generation went through the war um, so I asked him are, pa- are all your father's siblings like that? because they all grew up in the same home, right? and he says, no, it's interesting my father's the only one so, you know, so there you go now again, if, if it's making you see your father in a better light, that's wonderful but so often we blame our parents for our problems without realizing that maybe your siblings don't have all the same problems maybe, and even if they do If you're an adult and you want to take a handle on your life and you want to take responsibility, step up to the plate and say, you know what, I'm going to stop blaming other people and see what I can do about this. I'm not going to blame my parents and I'm not going to blame my spouse and I'm not going to blame my kids. Well, but I have special needs kids and my spouse doesn't help and everyone around you is a problem, just not you. That's that's definitely not a healthy way to go. Anyway, we're getting a little off-tangent. I just meant to say that parents who behave a certain way should be ready to, should expect that maybe their kids are picking up on it. And kids should know that the fact that parents do something doesn't, Take away any responsibility of your own issues. Anyway, with that said, let me get back to the question over here. So you have a wife whose husband has an issue with his father. Now, you didn't really tell me what your question is. Maybe your question is if you should reach out or not, but, but let's address the situation. What's the, what's the wife's role in this thing? Because you're the one writing the email. What's the wife's role in such a situation? Your husband has an issue with his father. What's your role? It's so like I mentioned before. A wife's role in general is to back her husband. And so often I see people making this mistake and it's, it's very bothersome, very bothersome when when a, a woman, it can be the same the other way around, but let's just say it the way it is over here, when a woman will will go against her husband and stick up for her husband's father and start using against him, and yet even your father said that you don't do things the right way. That's one, one way that I've seen it done. Many, I, I've, seen this, I've seen this quite a few times. To use against the spouse and, and basically to side with his parent against him and to use something against them. Or in general, just to side with a parent, well, your father wants we should come for Shabbos, your mother wants, I think we should go. Again, if you want to go is one thing, you can say what you want, but to side with your spouse's parent, especially when it's your husband's parent, against your spouse, that's not your place. Your place is to back your husband, that's your position. And and if your in-laws are reaching out to you, it's important to be able to very respectfully say, listen, I'll discuss with my husband, what what he says, that's what we're going to do. So again, I'm not addressing a situation where this is a shalom bias issue um, and you want to know how to decide something. I'm talking just now about when it's between your spouse and your spouse's parent, then the role of a wife and the position of a wife is to back a spouse. hundred percent. And in general, the spouse should always be giving chizik, a wife should always be giving chizik to a to husband. You know, the Mishnah says, you shouldn't talk too much to your wife. So Batanira explains what does that mean. You shouldn't tell her everything going on in your life because she could use it against you. If you come home from shul, I think there's an example he gives, and you tell your wife that you know somebody insulted me in shul. He said, "I always come late," for example, or whatever. Somebody hurt me. Somebody hurt me. Sometimes she could either use against you what you just repeated from someone else, or sometimes she could gang up on you with someone else. In other words, yeah, the, you know, the, for example, the people don't want to. The people who were insulting me. She could now see you in a bad light. Oh yeah, and that's my husband, a loser, and she can now insult you as well. And that's why you shouldn't you shouldn't repeat everything to your wives. Now the point of the mission is not to teach wives that it's okay to to be nice to a husband, obviously. On the contrary, I think it goes to show that, that, that this is wrong and that's why it's okay for a husband to hide certain things so as not to get abused. But if you're in a situation where you see somebody um, behaving negatively to your spouse, your job is to give the chizik, your job is to be the one that's respectful, your job is to do the right thing, not a question. So that's uh, that's just... The wife's attitude over here. Now, practically speaking, again, after getting halachic guidance, everything I'm saying now is after you're you're clear about what it is that you should and shouldn't be doing, based on your obligations. Um, let me just say something which you probably have read in my book extensively. Um, you know, there's, there's being respectful, and there's being controlled. Sometimes we, we get mixed up between the two. Sometimes, in order not to get controlled, in order not to be controlled by somebody, we get disrespectful. In other words, the way we resist control is by being disrespectful and fighting it some people because they want to be respectful they let themselves be controlled because that's how they're um, being respectful by letting someone else control them and it's so important and this is in every relationship and even with a parent within halacha guidelines to know how to be respectful and not be controlled to know how to listen to what someone has to say without interrupting and being polite and knowing how to validate and say you know really Tati you might be right it's possible that I'm wrong or even saying you're probably right Or maybe even sometimes saying, you are right, and then expressing why this is difficult for you, and why you're going to have to make a decision based on other things, why you're going to have to take your wife into account, or talk to your roof about it, or get guidance, etc. That's okay. It could all be done with a lot of respect, and I think it's very uh, important. As a matter of fact, resisting control itself has to be done respectfully. But in general, as well, you could be respectful and not be controlled. So when you're resisting the control, that alone has to be communicated with respect. And then, in general, the relationship could be a respectful one without being a controlling one. And very, very, very many times, people don't realize that they, they feel like I have to stay away from this relationship. It's a controlling relationship. I want to stay away from it. As if you can't be in the relationship without being controlled. Sometimes people don't realize that they could, but you could. you could, you could, you could, you could very nicely turn someone down and resist being controlled. And then the same day or a day later, call for some advice, call for a compliment with something else that you are okay with and even if somebody even if your father or mother will right away bring it up again yeah but yesterday he told me I understand you mommy and then just go on and keep the lines of communication open respectfully without being controlled it's an art sometimes you might need some guidance some chizik some support but but that's really what it, what it takes and keep it of who and honoring and being respectful of parents doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do what they tell you to do again Ask and make sure that you're not being oeuvrantly the stressed, Bafunov, not before now, Michel Av, Michel Ben and all the different um halakhic, uh, details. What I do wanna mention what I do wanna mention is just because you mentioned certain points of this so let me just pick up on them. Again, okay, I don't mean to get nitty-gritty. Interrupting a father is an issue. As long as you're being controlled. You, you, you're a little you're mixing issues over here. Not being controlled by a parent and not taking abuse from a parent is one thing, but interrupting what he's saying. You know, that's, that's that's a question that's, uh, you're not allowed to interrupt a parent it's not a question now again it's difficult and he could be a very difficult person you're talking to and it could be very hard for you to resist I'm just reminding you that sometimes as crazy as someone might be and I don't mean I don't, I don't mean that you, your father was crazy I don't know who he is but even if he is a crazy person you're still not allowed to interrupt what he's saying um, which just makes it something to work on now I would advise you to not interrupt anyone who is difficult, challenging, or sensitive, for that matter, because it's not, it's not good, they don't appreciate that. But there's just the added benefit of the fact that this is your father that makes it an obligation, not to be more careful about it. In other words, one, the only person, one of the only people in your life who's actually, um, what's the word? correctly and rightfully um, sensitive, let's call it. The only person who has the, the right and the privilege to say, yes, I'm sensitive, be careful with my feelings is a father, because you're obligated to do so. So instead of seeing him as a challenging person who, I can't interrupt him, he takes it wrong, I can't interrupt him because he's my father, he's allowed to take it wrong. Now if you're the father and your question is, should I get very tough and agitated and aggravated and, and, and get stuck and every time my son interrupts me, maybe not. Maybe not, maybe he didn't mean something, maybe there's different ways to go about that, but when it's your father, it's just reason to realize that regardless of how difficult or not difficult he is, at the end of the day he's right, and this is where some people get are mistaken when it comes to relationships and kibitavayam when they start mixing together. There are rules how relationships work and you want to work within those rules and you want to make sure that you're having the best relationship possible and it's possible to have a good relationship with somebody without being controlled and without being taken advantage of. But at the same time, you do have to realize that it's, it's not an equal relationship. It's not your brother, it's not your friend. So that's and same thing with marriage I, I, I say this every other week you know a husband a husband a wife is a wife and you're not going to acknowledge the different roles in marriage you're just going to look at it like you know, me, you and, 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 and relationship and whatever and if you do for me I do for you, you, know, you, you if you're not going to acknowledge that there's a Toyota approach of who should be taking who uh, I, I don't want to say more seriously we should both be taking each other seriously but more respectfully then yeah you're, gonna, you're probably going to run into problems which the Toyota will not be backing you on so that's that um, so, if you're going to apologize to your father, and I, I, I assume that at some point or other, this probably happened a long time ago, that you did start talking to him again, and it, and he might um, demand of you an apology, and you might want to give an apology, it's okay to apologize. The fact that he takes things to the next level and he's difficult to get along with doesn't mean you shouldn't be apologizing for interrupting what he said. When you apologize to someone, you apologize openly and clearly and say, I'm sorry about this and this. You know, it's not like, yeah you have to understand no you're sorry and you can be specific about what you're sorry about so you don't look like a shmata sometimes people don't apologize because apologizing makes them look like a shmata and the person who's demanding an apology wants them to look like a shmata and now you have to come for Shabbos because you were disrespectful Tati I'm very sorry that I interrupted what you said it was wrong of me I'll try harder in the future not to that's what I'm apologizing for and I'm not a shmata and I can say faith and I can say it with dignity and, and, and confidence so that's, that's that um There is another issue, just my Indian, the Indian, I just want to throw it in. Sometimes people interrupt other people because they're in a rush. You have a phone call, and you're talking to a parent who likes to talk, and conversations can go on for 45 minutes, and it's just so whatever. By the time they're saying it for the third time, you say, okay, okay, Tati, I I know, I know, and you interrupt someone, right? Because you, not so much because you're, it's it's not an emotional, um, um, knee-jerk interruption, but it's coming just because, you, you know, you just had enough. It's important to know how to talk to someone, when to talk to someone. Even when you're talking to a child, I, I tell people often when your child likes to ramble and you don't have time, it's fine to say, Could I please talk to you later? Because I want to hear what you're saying and make a child feel good. But instead of giving him the one and a half minutes and then just rushing him because he, you don't have time for him. So with a parent, it's even more important. I think that picking up the phone or knowing when to pick up in a respectful way, or picking up and saying, Oh, Tati, I really want to talk to you. Is it okay if I call you back and you give a certain time when it's going to be easier for you to hear and to listen? And it might be easier for you not to interrupt when you have more time and more patience and you're in a calmer setting, that, that's also something that might work to your benefit. Um, now, in general, in general, just in terms of the relationship with somebody who's um, challenging, let's call it. And as you know from reading my book, this is coming from sensitivity, it's coming from insecurity, it's coming from his own, probably coming from your father-in-law's own emotional stuff. There is usually a way to have a good relationship with such people. Now, I know that there are extreme cases which people tell me about you can't have a relationship with this person. It's not possible. I wonder if I ever really came across such a situation where I felt that whatever you're going to do, is not going to work and you just have to run away. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Maybe, maybe, some rare case. But in general, when you're respectful and forthcoming and making someone feel good and showing them how much you think of them and how highly you, you uh, look up to them and that you need them and respect them and, and everything else, and you keep on doing that, And when the difficulties come up, you deal with them respectfully, like I said before, and you you avoid the control, you avoid the negativity, but then you go again and start asking advice and take opinions seriously and make them feel good and show them how everyone thinks so highly and your whole family is just trying to do what he's doing. Very often you'll see relationships change. As a matter of fact, the fact that you're giving somebody so much attention and so much good feeling and making them feel so special and resisting control is exactly what they need. You're helping them feel good by being in a healthy, balanced relationship without taking advantage of someone whether it's subconscious or even conscious, they appreciate more a relationship with somebody who's respectful of them, makes them feel good, and doesn't um, um, let themselves be taken for a ride and be controlled more than the person who does. Interestingly, it's subconscious, but they'll the respect you more and feel better near you. You'll see that your parents probably will have a better relationship with, the, with a child who's more respectful but less taken advantage of than, than the one who is taken advantage of, who they'll probably have more complaints to and more attitude and, and, and you know uh, issues with. It's interesting to notice that. So I don't think that's uh, that, that, that's a problem. And uh, especially married children, um, sometimes there's that added challenge of parents feeling more challenged by a child who's married and has a home and making their own decisions in life and, and their own kids and their own whatever. And that's why you want to counter that feeling that they might be getting, which could be wrong of them to feel so challenged. But I hear this all the time, both from parents of married children and both from married children who are them to avoid parents there's a new challenge in life when a parent has married children who are making their own decisions and they feel like they're not taking them seriously which you want to counter. You want to show that you want to take it seriously. You want to show that they mean something to you and you could very often win over a person like that with a certain attitude a certain forthcoming respectful attitude. And you could avoid a lot of difficulties. So I don't know if I gave any clarity exactly um, about how to reach out and when to reach out and things like that but I do think that uh, we spoke a little about the wife's role and the practical approach and, and a general approach in a relationship like this. And I hope that an I herself you know, with the right guidance, and the right astor, and the right um, um, relationship between husband and wife, which is so important, and I've seen this go sour so many times where other things, you know, get involved, all of a sudden the shalom baih starts becoming a little more shaky. You should have told your father, you shouldn't have told your father, what I do when he calls me? Why are you putting this on me? Why are you putting this on me? Stick together. Stick together. It's so important. It doesn't necessarily mean that because in the name of Shalom Bayes you don't have to be parents but it's so important that two people together can overcome every, every challenge and any challenge with living together. Shalom